eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. to the Full Ten Yards College Football Podcast. We're back on the airwaves on a Tuesday evening to bring you all the latest from the college football world. Here with Maxwell again tonight, as always. Uh, I'll bring you in. How are we, mate? You okay? Very good, thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, excited to hear what the uh, public have to uh, ask us. Uh, as we say, we're going through listeners' questions this week, um, You know, giving you our thoughts on whatever you wanted to ask us, really. Um, lots of good questions, so it should be a lot of fun. And then we'll uh, we'll sort of start the show as usual with a sort of look back onto the big game and a couple of others from the weekend just gone, and then uh, round out. We're looking forward when we vote to the game of the week. Um, so yeah, let's go. Um, so yeah, first up, this play is under review. So only the the only place to start really, obviously, is between LSU and Alabama. Obviously, the battle of the SEC, battle for QB one, whatever you want to call it. Didn't disappoint. It's an absolute classic uh, in my eyes. Uh, a real, real good game between you know, two of college football's best teams. Um, what was your general overview of the game? Just before we get into the nitty gritty, what was your kind of general overview of the game, Michael? Well, I think um, I think people, you know, they kind of obviously came out and hated on Tua because he had a couple of bad mistakes in the first half. Hmm. But the truth is, he put up you know over forty points. He showed all the talent in the world, and what we got at the end of the day was one of the most competitive and exciting college football games I've seen in years. Yeah, no, definitely. No, 100%. I'll, I'll sort of come on. We're going to talk about the quarterbacks first. So I'll sort of start with Tua. Like I said, I don't, I don't think Tua played badly at all. Uh, we saw a lot of good things from him. We did see a couple of uncharacteristic errors, as you mentioned, that early fumble, the inception later on. Lots of good aspects, lots of good accuracy. Like you say, put up a lot of points, put up a lot of yards. And he showed leadership, toughness, and you know things like that in abundance that NFL scouts and GMs will want to see. Because you know he was playing hurt, it's quite obvious to me. I thought that he was playing playing pretty hurt. Uh, LSU played yeah. really well, put him under pressure, and it did it did hinder him a little bit. You know, it, it's got to be said that that lower leg injury that he had did, that he had. I think there was a there was a time. I think it was in the third or fourth quarter where the lane kind of opened up down the middle. And I thought he could have ran if he was healthy, but that's the that's the moment he kind of stayed in the pocket. And I think Alabama scored anyway, like like just after maybe a play or two after. But that was the moment I thought, yeah, he's definitely playing hurt, but. You know, like I say, a lot of leadership, heart, toughness. Uh, he still played at a very high level as well. What did you make of Tua and, you know, in, in overall? Yeah, I think it's it's hard to say, you know, oh, he had a great game despite those mistakes mm. because the fumble was a terrible yes. mistake, although yeah. weird and you wouldn't expect that kind of thing to happen again. Um, the strange slide on third down, you know, that could have been one of those things where healthier he would have been fine. Mm. The interception just before the half, though, that's one of them where, if you think of the classic problem people talk about with Tua, which is he doesn't necessarily um, go through his reads, he knows where his primary option is and he kind of just attacks it. Obviously, he gets away with that a lot with that receiving core. Mm. But um, we saw the same thing in the first, his first throw when he threw that pick six to AJ Terrell in the um, championship game last year. And yeah. the interception just before the half this year was very similar. Like it was quite clear that wasn't open, but he just knew that he had Jerry Judy over the middle and he was going to throw it no matter what. So um, it's not great to be able to see that. Um, but other than that, uh, I still think he's an amazing prospect. And I think he's got such a huge, huge upside. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I completely agree with that. I think, like you say, it's his uh, receiving call. And I think the fact that he's so accurate that he can kind of get away with that a lot of the time. And maybe we'll see him sort of uh, you know, redeem himself in the coming weeks. But I don't think, it, I mean, we've got, I know we've got a question coming up about the two, so I won't go too much into it. But I still think he's nailed on to be a top five pick, no matter what. Let's move on to Joe Burrow. Um, it was a masterful performance, really, wasn't it? I think he showed complete command of the LSU offense, showed poise, great pocket presence and awareness, avoided a lot of sacks, um, and he showed, showed with that and on other plays as well, a lot of scrambling. He's got underrated athletic ability as well. Um, did you think that Joe Burrow just stamped his name on the Heisman Trophy on Saturday? I think, I mean, he's got to be the front runner. It was an yeah. amazing performance. And like you said, you know, not just the scrambling, but the movement in the pocket, you know, that's the second game now. The Auburn game, his O-line got beat one-on-one. Yeah. In this game, his O-line got whooped one-on-one. Like he had, there were three sacks in the first half and he was running for his life on about 10 plays. <laughs> you know, they're a, it's, got a, it's a lovely offensive scheme. He's a brilliant player. The receivers are brilliant. But in a one-on-one situation, his offensive line were losing yet he was still able to make plays. I mean, that showed such composure. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was very much like a veteran QB performance for a guy who hasn't had that many starts of a, of a football game at that level. So, um, you know, I'm, I think he's got to be number one right now. I think it was about as complete a performance as I've seen from a college footballer in a long time. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It was, like I said, I mean, the, the word I chose to use a moment ago was masterful. I mean, I just think... He didn't have an incompletion for, I don't know, it wasn't, was it just before halftime? He had his first one or something like that. He was just hitting every target that he had and he just looked in complete command. It was great to see. Um, yeah. Do you think he is now QB1? Because I know a lot of people wanted to sort of make it this sort of battle between the two quarterbacks. And, you know, there's much more to it than that, especially when it comes to draft night and things like that. We're still a long way out from April. But do you think he sort of overtook two in this game? I mean... He still doesn't have the same zip on the ball that some of these other guys do. Sure. You know, that's true. But for me, I can't see how you can watch this and see anything other than the best quarterback in the class right now because of the the adversity. Now, yeah, his receiving core, I mean, they are amazing. Jamar Chase and, and the others. Um, uh, even uh, Moss, the tight end, uh, mm. Randy Moss's son. Yeah. You know, he was getting open and making grabs. He is blessed with that ridiculously talented receiving core. Um, however, having said that, again, as much as he doesn't have full, fully all the tangibles that say Tua does, um, he right now looks way more complete. And um, I think right now we're looking at QB1, yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I, yeah I think so. I think I'm going to have to come off my uh, Justin Herbert QB1 hype and hype train and things like that. And uh, yeah, give some more attention towards Joe Burrow now. Let's move away from the quarterbacks then. Who who else stood out for you in this game on either side? Um, okay, so I think a couple of things from an Alabama perspective. I think Xavier McKinney, the safety, yeah. considering how many yards they gave up, given, um, he wasn't really at fault for many, if any of them. And as a force in the box, he was dominant. Um, yes. You know, maybe not Jamal Adams, but uh, the fact that he can show that he can blitz, he can rush... We always knew he could tackle, but his coverage was pretty good as well. Like, David McKinney really stood out to me as having a big-time performance when those around him were really struggling. Um, for example, I know you didn't say who 
they're bad, but Trayvon Diggs really hurt his draft stock with this game. Yeah, no, I'm going to come on to that in a moment. So, <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, no, I I had McKinney down for this as well. Um, I just think as a blitzer, he was a force, like you say, made a lot of good tackles, and obviously with the way that the NFL defense is sort of setting up now, it's all about having versatility. I think a lot of NFL DCs and uh, defensive back coaches are going to look at Xavier McKinney and and see a chess piece, someone who they mm. can move around and blitz and cover, and it'll use it kind of dual offenses. And he got yeah. the, the force on the, I don't know what it was given as an incompletion or a fumble um, for uh, Lewis. Um, and then he also got the block field goal as well. So, no, I definitely, Xavier McKinney was the first one I had down as kind of yeah. someone who's increased his draft off on Saturday. I thought he played really well. Um, anyone else for you before I kind of well, move on? I've got well, a more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. Um, let me just talk about the other running back. So, yeah, I think you're going to talk about the LSU running back. I just wanted to <laughs> say. Uh, uh, a little sorry to Najee Harris because you know I, I kind of I put the challenge out a few weeks ago and said the one element of his game that we're still not seeing is his ability to make people miss and we saw it in the biggest moment of the season you know yes that offense didn't win the game at the end but he had by far and away his best performance in an Alabama jersey and I think Najee Harris really solidified himself as a guy who maybe not a first round pick but Maybe maybe he drops to even third. It could be a fourth, but it doesn't. That, none of that matters because no. he could be a starting NFL running back for many teams. Um, great player, but unfortunately, he got outshined on the day by another running back. Yeah, definitely. No, nice to start up there. Um, yeah, I'm going to speak about Clyde Edwards-Helaire. He was unbelievable, wasn't he? Uh, four oh, touchdowns, amazing. four different touchdowns. You know, leaping over, receiving, standard sort of run when he was spinning out, making people miss. Um, that's all he did all game, just made people miss. He got a lot of first downs. He had 180 all-purpose yards. And for me, as a Chargers fan, I think I tweeted this out uh, you know, somewhere at the game, or after the game or before, I can't remember. But he just gave me a series of Austin Eckler vibes with like a smaller stature, mm. just bouncing off people, making people miss, and just having a lot of energy. I just thought he was the star of the show outside of Joe Burrow for me. He really was. I mean, I think, you know, I knew of him as a player. A lot of people knew of him as a player beforehand. He hasn't had a bad year at all, but uh, what a way to stamp your name versus mm. a, a talented defense. Um, he he really was a, a superstar. I can't remember what yards per carry he was averaging, but every time he touched it, he seemed to get a first down. Yes, no, definitely. That's all he did, wasn't it, really? He got scored a touchdown and got a first down. That's obviously something yeah. you can get from running back. I would sort of hold him in the same regard as maybe Najee Harris. I don't think his performance by any means has vaulted him into you know first-round contention or anything like that. But same with what you were saying about Najee Harris. You don't need to be a first-round running back to have an impact. We've seen many of running back yeah, nowadays in the NFL. You know, Alvin Kamara was the first one popped into my mind as a third round pick. He's one of the best running backs in the NFL, you know. Um so it doesn't matter one bit. Uh, no, one no. more player who I do want to mention and it's a player that I think you mentioned a few weeks ago was Jedrick Wills. I just thought he was a stone wall at right tackle for Alabama. So yeah. I just give him a shout out. I, I was watching obviously I watched the game on Saturday, I watched it um, back um, in sort of condensed form before we came on. And I was just watching Jedrick Wills and just seeing how much pressure that both sides got on each line. Because obviously the LSU line sort of gave it quite a lot of pressure. The Alabama line gave up a lot of pressure, but it came on the left side for Leatherwood. But Jedrick Wills on the right side just didn't give up anything. So yeah, no, I was trying to give him a shout out. And I'm going to mention because he didn't deserve to lose that game, in my opinion. Yeah, no, no, he did look good. And I think um, just one last one, sorry. The, yeah, I think the one thing I wanted to say about the... The wide receiver, uh, Devonta, um, I've got his name now. Smith, um, Smith yeah. Um, he, he, I think 
you know, he might not come out this year. He's a junior. Mm. Obviously, he had over 200 yards and a couple of big plays of a Stingley. The big plays were one thing. I actually think those were a little bit more fortunate and he did a good job. But there was some other moments in the game where you saw him really explode through contact. And the one thing I would say about it is he made Henry Ruggs look significantly less of a threat in a big game and as much as Jerry Judy was kind of double teamed a little bit and mm-hmm. and, and had a lot of coverage on him after the first half um, Devonta Smith really showed that he could be um, an electric guy with the ball in his hand No definitely, no I definitely agree with that, I think there was that one and I'm going to come on to it but the players that hurt their stock in a moment but there was that um, go-to moment, I think it was late in the third or fourth quarter where um, two look for Devonta Smith when he was being guarded by Stingley hit him with an inside slam and it was kind of like I trust you on this third down I'm coming to you and I don't care who's on you and you'll catch the ball and you, I know you'll catch the ball and he did so yeah no I think Devonta Smith did really well um, so yeah I'll move on to like obviously just mentioned players who have sort of hurt their stock to me Derek Stingley was one of them I thought he got picked on a little bit in coverage um, he got he bit on that play where Alabama sort of faked the clap and getting instructions mm. and Devon Smith blew by him Saying that, you know, Stingley's played really well. He's a freshman. He's played at a really high level. Obviously, he's not going to be coming out for at least another year or so. Um, so, it doesn't matter too much. But I just did think he did, didn't play too well. The other one for me was Grant Delpit. Uh, Grant Delpit, obviously, mm-hmm. someone I've spoke highly of in the past. But I think he whiffed on quite a few tackles. And a lot of people are kind of raising this as a bit of a red flag for him now. And saying it's, you know, becoming a little bit of a habit. And as a Chargers fan, I know from first-hand experience how bad it is when safety is. Derwin James, notwithstanding just don't make tackles and, you know, sort of give up touchdowns. And if Grant Delphine sort of develops that trait, it's not going to look good. Um, so, yeah, we'll move on. How, who, who, for you, sort of hurt their draft stock this weekend? Yeah, I think the one thing I would say about um, Stingley is that it's probably good as a freshman that he had a game like this. Yeah, true. Um, you, you know, he might end up being a better player because of this game. Um but yeah, I agree with Dale Pitt. I think the other one I just kind of touched on before was uh, Henry Ruggs. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, kind of a non-factor. He, he did have a 26-yard reception. I think you know, best part of 70 yards in the day. But um, could be taken out of the game very easily. Um, didn't show any ability to be able to break tackles. Didn't show the elite speed that we've seen mm-hmm. against some of these other um, some of these other uh, teams that he's played this year. Sure. Um, uh, I think the one of the name from Alabama perspective, um, I really liked that it was a, kind of a game of two edge rushers in a way, Terrell Lewis and Humphrey Jennings. Um, mm. Jennings, I think, for me, it showed he's the more elite of those two players. And Lewis really showed some limitations in his pass rush. He's kind of a little bit of a, a slower guy by the looks of it. On the big stage, he didn't have that fast switch burst that Jennings did. So I think it was less of a he had a terrible game, more of a he got shown up by the other pass rusher. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like, like juxtaposition kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. What, um, what if anything else, uh, maybe outside of players or anything else, anything else kind of stand out in this one for you before we move on? What stands out? Um, I think just in general, the weakness of the pass defense of um, Alabama was shocking. Um, I just, as much as LSU have been fantastic this year, passing the ball, and that receiving core, as I always keep saying, is just so talented, but um, they just couldn't keep up. You know, Trayvon Diggs was the 
had all the big plays against him, but realistically, none of them could keep up. And mm-hmm. I can't remember. I mean, even the Clemson game last year, they ran the ball. I can't remember the last time a team dominated with a passing attack mm-hmm. like LSU did at the weekend. Um, especially because they got a good pass rush as well. It's not like they weren't generating a pass rush. It was just yeah. fascinating. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Jamal Chase uh, just gave Trevon Diggs absolute nightmares the whole game. Oh, awful game, yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, Jamal Chase is brilliant. Yes, I that mean, is very true. So it makes sense. That is very true. Part of a uh, very talented wide receiver group we're going to get next year if we're looking at that far ahead. Um, just one thing that I mentioned, obviously, just um, around the game is that this Auburn game at the end of the season looks now very pressurised. We've sort of mentioned it as a hypothetical last week, um, but it's now very, very real. You know, if uh, Georgia wins out or wins SEC, Oregon wins out, Alabama are going to be outside the playoffs. And uh, that's something that we weren't sort of looking forward to or, looking to, or expecting, should I say, you know, come the start of the season. Uh, but yeah. It's, Very... it's fascinating. Yeah, I think the whole world right now is is waiting to see exactly how this playoff picture comes because... You know, I think it's pretty clear from a scoreline perspective that Alabama don't deserve to be in a top four position. <laughs> but the classic eye test, you know, sure. might put them back in there. Um, so we'll see, I suppose. We'll I see. think the championship games are going to be huge this year, bigger than ever. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. I completely agree. Um, let's move on, though, because we've spent quite a lot of time on that big game, and rightly so. But let's move on. Let's talk Big Ten. Obviously, Minnesota got a huge win over Penn State just before this game. 31-26. First time that Minnesota have been 9-0 since, I think, 1903, if I remember right. First win Amazing. over a top-five-ranked team since the 70s. Huge celebrations on the field after the game. Anton Winfield Jr. balled out. How did you see this one? Um, it was kind of surprising because if you would have told me beforehand how are Minnesota going to win this game, mm-hmm. I'd have said, well, they'll stop Penn State's um, offense and they will... Um, and they'll run the ball well. Well, they didn't run the ball well at all. No. Um, Rodney Smith, their main running back, was running for less than three yards of carry. Um, and then they, Penn State threw the ball all around the place and they were rushing yeah. for over six yards of carry. Like, that really wasn't the problem. It mm. just, they just got the takeaways. And that was yes. the big thing for Minnesota. They, they took the ball away. At the end of the day, they gave up a lot of yards um, and they threw the ball really well, Minnesota. But... Um, the the shocker was just that the, the the only real difference maker was they took the ball away in the uh, Penn State pass game, which was um, brilliant to see. Um, they've got a lot of fire that team in Minnesota. They're a really fun side to watch, and um, I'm pleased they got the win in the end of it because uh, they were they were really up for it. Yeah, no, definitely. I, like you say, it wasn't sort of how we expected, but turnovers sort of change games, don't they? And we were talking. Oh, I was I'll take full blame for this one. I was talking to Sean Clifford uh, a couple of weeks ago, saying he doesn't make many mistakes, and you know he distributes football really well, and threw three interceptions in a big game. So maybe that one's on me again with the full ten yards approach for curse that we keep putting on players. <laughs> and and yeah, like you say, Rashad Bateman got another two hundred yards from Minnesota, kind of outshining Tyler Johnson, although he had a good game as well. Yeah, Johnson had a great game as well. I mean, Rodney Smith, as I mentioned, was their kind of big stalwart running back who was getting all these yards. So. The fact that the Tanner Morgan passed the ball for over 303 touchdowns was just, you know, I mean, he's thrown the ball well all year, but I just didn't think he'd be able to do it against a, a staunch defence like yeah. Penn State. 
yeah, no, definitely. And it makes obviously the Big Big Ten uh, really interesting going into the end of the season. Kind of guarantees uh, Minnesota being in the uh, championship game, maybe against Ohio State. Obviously, that remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the Big 12. I was going to mention Baylor. Obviously, we mentioned them quite a little bit uh, last week when we were talking about playoff scenarios and things like that. Obviously, they went ahead and beat TCU in overtime to stay unbeaten. And I know uh, I was kind of mentioning it all week and I've been pulling Bill Coleman and Jalen Hurts all year, but purely out of my own interest, I kind of want to see Baylor win this weekend. And I, <laughs> I want to see, I want to see, first of all, I want to see Baylor go on to maybe win the Big 12 and be unbeaten. So I want to see how high the rankings you know, dare to put them, you know, because we were talking about last week, can they go into the college football playoff? And it would be an amazing story. Um, what did you make of this game overall, first of all? Um, I mean, the fact that Baylor had a weird game in a way. Like it's a couple of that's two games in a row now where their offense has really not looked good. Mm. Uh, I think they had like less than three hundred yards of total offense. They were struggling to pass the ball. They couldn't run the ball. Um, they, they just couldn't get it going. Fortunately, they they did a, a a good job of stopping the pass game. Three interceptions on the day, and could have been more. I mean, their DB core was just flying around all over the place. Um, once again, incredibly spirited effort from that Baylor defence. And they are just enjoying playing football right now. You can see it. Um, they nearly threw it away at the end. They had a couple of chances to win. But what kept happening was time and time again, yes, they gave up yards and they gave up yards. But when they got a team to third down, um, they are a side who knows how to get after teams. And they kind of relish that kind of third and long situation. Sure. Um, they really do. And I think uh, one other name, Bravion Roy, their nose tackle. I mean, he, he hasn't got the most stats, but he's 6'1", 340 pounds. And he moves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he moves so well. Now, he's not, he's not going to be a, a top draft pick or anything like that. Sure. But it's week in, week out now, he's playing this nose tackle position with loads of space around him. Yet he's eating up blockers. And I think he's the kind of guy that can fit into an NFL D-line um, straight away because he's, he's got the size. And it, it's, I think this is one of the underrated things that, of Baylor here is that the same guys that lost every game nearly two years ago when they went 1-11 and are the same guys that are there now. You know, this brilliant front six, they're all seniors. They were all there two years mm-hmm. ago when they were losing every game. And they're here now. It's a testament to the coaching. But more importantly... Um, it, it shows that actually they do have a talented unit and, and they can keep growing and I think they can win this weekend um, they just need to stop the run and that's the big thing for them because that run game uh, can be very good yeah definitely I think with Baylor it's like their defence is obviously very very good and like we said we've had a couple of weird games now where they've almost kind of thrown it away both weeks um, off a couple of weeks but it's kind of a it, to me it's kind of a, a defense without many stars. I don't know if you feel the same, but they're just like a, a greater some of their parts, I would say. Mm, yeah, Roy and Lynch on the D line are, are both probably their best players. But really you're right. Like none of them are superstar NFL talents. And um they've just got loads of guys who understand what it means to be part of this program. They love it, they they fly around, the speed on defense is is very clear to see that that is a deliberate effort they've gone out of their way to make mm-hmm. to to get a faster team. Yeah, sure. Um, so whatever they're doing, it's working. They actually had a couple of injuries this week and still played well uh, on defense. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to see it, to be honest, because, uh, you know, Big 12 is kind of down in the dumps at the minute. But 
realistically, this is two very, very good teams. If it wasn't for a couple of drives going differently, Oklahoma would be a top four side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't, I can't wait to see Baylor have a real challenge now. And, um, and yeah, maybe it's not a big playoff game when it comes down to it, but um, if Baylor win, it will certainly cause some problems for the, for the rankings. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of what I want to see. And in terms of the defence as well, it's kind of nice to be talking about Big 12 defence as well because it's not a conference that's known for it, really, is it? Yeah, true. Um, elsewhere, just to round up the rest of the weekend, big wins for Florida, um, shut out Vanderbilt, and then a big win for Georgia over Missouri. Um, Iowa were, ran uh, Wisconsin really cl- close, but Jonathan Taylor with 250 rushing yards in that game that you mentioned last week. And a really nice win for App State as well over South Carolina. App State is yeah. a team that always kind of they uphold this sort of tradition of being this plucky little program that can be very capable of getting these wins to me. So they're they the certainly can. Out for me. Anything else stand out for you in this weekend's uh, results or anything like that? Um, nothing off the top of my head. No, just yeah. um, yeah, you know, it was it really was kind of the uh, Alabama LSU show, I suppose. Yes, yeah, definitely. Absolutely awesome. Um, yeah, okay, that rounds up the review. Uh, so let's dive into some of the questions then. First off, um, we just mentioned Baylor obviously a moment ago. Well, that's the first subject in our first question. Um, this is from Simon on Facebook. Uh, thank you for your question. Um, how are an unbeaten Baylor team ranked below a two-loss Florida team? You can take this one first. Okay, well, um, <laughs> they've gone now to overtime three times this year, I believe, Baylor. Um, so some of these losses have been extremely – sorry, some of these wins have been extremely close. Mm-hmm. And Florida – I've only lost to LSU and Auburn. Is that right? Yes, I think so. Without yeah. having the things in front of me. Yeah, I think it was Auburn. Or, um, and it's, it's one of them where those two sides are excellent. Yes, they lost. But, you know, the, the point of the rankings, which I do think is fair, is that um, realistically you have to factor in that, as we saw in the last couple of years, an unbeaten UCF side is – can be ranked lower mm-hmm. than a one-loss sure. a one loss Alabama. You know, that's the point of the rankings. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it is, it's fair to... In fact, you know what? I just remember, Florida lost to Georgia in that really close game, um, uh, uh, which was, which was a, a really fun one. And that Georgia, well, that's actually a really good example of why they're ranked so high. Because they were only a score away from winning. Georgia yeah. are a great team. And if it, I think what, if there was five quarters, Florida would have won that game. Because the way they were playing in the fourth quarter, you know, they they were really coming on strong. And they've had some setbacks as well with the quarterback position. So I do think it makes sense. If Baylor win this weekend, though, no more excuses. No, I'd agree with that. I, I do think it would find it difficult to kind of yeah, justify a little bit because obviously it's an unbeaten team with two losses and obviously maybe just by one. But I do see what you mean. It is something that comes into my consideration with sort of another aspect when I'm sort of evaluating players. If their level of competition isn't as high, then it's harder for me to rank them higher on my board and things like that. So I guess the kind of same thinking applies to this. Um, I do think Baylor's a little bit lower 12, but without having the rankings in front of me, I don't know where I put them, but it just seems a bit bizarre. But, you know, a 9-0 team is ranked as low as 12, if I can say low, if you understand what I'm getting at. But yeah. yeah. No, good question. Um, it, like I say, I think you summed up nicely. I think if uh, Baylor beat Oklahoma on the weekend, that'll very much that'll be changing very, very quickly. It will, yeah. Okay, uh, next up, Paul Morn, uh, which is uh, his handle is at Morny7. Um, why is the chasing 
Chase Young thing so bad. He borrowed money from a friend and paid it back. I don't understand why it's outlawed. Um, I, I'll take this one first because he went first next uh, last question. I don't think it's a big thing at all. Um, I don't think it should be a talking point. I think the NCAA should be pretty ashamed. Um, to me, it looks like they're making an example of Chase Young while they can. Um, once you know this ruling comes in that they're going through the courts at the moment, that the players can profit from playing college sports in you know, next year or a year after that, this will be completely outdated. And also, the offence wasn't serious. You know, like the question says, he borrowed money to fly his girlfriend out to watch him play the Rose Bowl. I think it was last year. Uh, been repaid. No harm done. You know, it's a friend. It's not like an agent or anything like that. I don't think it'll hurt his draft stock. I don't think it should hurt his draft stock. You know, AJ Green. Julio Jones, Reggie Bush, they've all gone through much more than this in terms of like money and this kind of violation. And they all went in the top five. You know, if it was a violation for like drugs, you know, crumb-stancing drugs or illegal drugs or something violent, then it'd matter. But I don't think this would matter at all. I think this is, like I say, making an example of him, to be honest with you. I'm really, I'm a bit peed off about to talk about it because it's a great play and obviously he missed the game and, you know, he shouldn't have that sort of thing dragged, or his name's dragged through the mud a little bit. What do you think? So I'll tell you what, I can't add anything more than that. You've nailed it and <laughs> you're right. It's not worth talking about because he's a, he's a good player and he deserves his chance to be uh, the number one pick. Yeah, I think that, you know, that's another question for another day maybe. But I, yeah, he should be right up there. I think we both think that he's the best player in the draft. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a shame that it'll be kind of come something that some teams will ask him about and, you know, when it's a draft process. So, yeah, I yeah. just think it's something that doesn't need to be talked about too much. I don't think he's done anything wrong. Anyway, move on. Uh, Tim, uh, boss of the full-time yards, wants to ask me, uh, do I have a fantasy football team called Hot Desking? <laughs> As in Desking, who's my favourite player. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, even though, I think if I ever, like, if I make a new team, if I enter into a new league, where I make a new team, I might use it, actually. So it's a good, good suggestion. Very Tim, uh, to kind of come up with something like that. That's good. What is your fantasy team's name? I just always go with Wakefield Wolves. It's just like a... I feel something wolves, I've always yeah. stuck with. It's something I was like. Had. I think it's like my first team. I've just used it forever. Yeah, I, I try and go for a different one every year. This year I'm Mariota Poppins. <laughs> okay, that's my name. Yeah. <laughs> what's the What's the best one you've seen? Best one I've seen. Oh, I really like the um, the the DJ Chuck Juju Juju Juju. Yeah, we've got. Yeah, we've got. Yeah, yeah. Saw that one, DJ. Yeah, I don't have kids. Maybe you're you're probably a bit more familiar with that. Obviously, you've got a young daughter. That's it. I'm I'm sick of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, maybe that's one for me. Um, a few years. Um, but anyway, just on Des King, actually, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled because maybe we've got something in the pipeline with Des King. So yeah, just give a little tease for that one. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, little tease. Um, next question from Alan Peplow who is at Alba Wanderer on Twitter, a uh, big fan of the show. He wanted us to pick a fantasy team uh, from the history of football, um, comprising of a quarterback, running backs, wide receivers. We kind of cut it down because it was really long. Um, so sorry, Alan, we're going to kind of go for a sort of light version of your question. We're going to go for a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a flex, a tight end, a defense from college football. Um, how do you want to do this? Do you want to go through your team first or just rotate or things like that? How do you want to do it? Yeah, let's take one at a time. Okay. But um, tell you what, great question. It yeah, is no, a great okay. question. Brilliant it's idea. Maybe a, a podcast on all on his own. That's why I was kind of sneaking down a little bit. <laughs> I hope you don't mind, Alan. But yeah, no, really appreciate the question. Um, do you want to go for your quarterback first? Go on then. Um, you know, there's plenty of good quarterbacks come out of college football, uh, had brilliant seasons. 
I nearly went with Cam Newton because I loved that one year he had, but unfortunately it was only one year. Yes. My favourite quarterback, my favourite quarterbacking two or three <laughs> seasons in a row ever is Tim Tebow. Okay. Unbelievable. <laughs> Runner, thrower. You know, he was the first, I think, to do the 20 passing, 20 throwing. Uh, that Urban Meyer rushing attack with Aaron Hernandez and Percy Harvin was vicious. And I still, every summer, go back and watch film of it because it's just it's so fun to watch. Uh, the QB power, the QB jump passes, um, brilliant. Absolutely amazing offense. And Tim Tebow was the uh, engine that drove it. Yeah, definitely. No, he, he was one of the greatest college football quarterbacks ever, really, wasn't he? And like you say, really quintessential college football. Not things that you get away with in the NFL so much. Um, no. the way that it Although he did. <laughs> well, yeah, for a little bit. For a little bit. It's a bit of a shame they didn't really translate. Although, like you say, for Denver and... When it was kind of new and fresh, it very much did work. Um, but yeah, no great chart. It was actually when we did a lot of elongated before we kind of slimmed this down. Tim Tebow was my bench quarterback. Mm. For me, there's only one answer to this. It's Michael Vick. Michael Vick was one of the greatest college quarterbacks to ever play the game. He was a he was a video game sensation. He almost played the game like he was playing in a video game. He was incredible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just Michael Vick. Yeah, just the first person who came to my head as soon as he got saw this question. Um, yeah, he, he was. And when I was growing up, um, starting to get into college football and the NFL, he was the kind of first person that I thought, wow, he kind of wowed me. And then I sort of got into college football, started watching his tape from like bygone years, because obviously he was already in the NFL, and he was just amazing. He, I just don't understand how he could be that agile and that quick, and yeah, he just revolutionised the position and laid the path for someone like Lamar Jackson, who obviously we're seeing kind of do the same thing in the NFL now. So yeah, no, Michael Vick for me. Yeah, very fair, very fair. Um, I'll go first, my, my first running back. My first running back uh, is Saquon Barkley. Again, just, mm. uh, just, uh, just someone who just was different, you know, with the strength and the, the agility, the lateral agility and movement that he produced while at Penn State it was, just amazing and you can see sort of why he is now doing exactly the same thing in the NFL um yeah so take on Barkley for me first one um I tell you what there's some brilliant names I remember watching my first year really watching football Reggie Bush was unbelievable (laughs) um you know Adrian all day Adrian Peterson was, Mm -hmm. was so fun um but my favorite one of my favorite college football players from when I first started watching football was um, and now a, and a famous uh, analyst and had a great career in the NFL, is Mojo Drew, Maurice Jones-Drew. Mm-hmm. He was unbelievable. He was electric. He was a punt returner, kick returner. The way he, I mean, you wanted a short down specialist. Um, he would find a way to wriggle through for a yard. Just unbelievable explosion. And I used to just love watching the ball in his hands. So MJD, uh, fullest college football running back I think I've ever seen. Nice. Yeah, no, good shout. He was really good in the NFL as well. Um, my second running back is a hero of mine. He's the reason my Chargers fan. It's Ladanian Tomlinson. Mm. He could just do it all. He was one of the first people to kind of do it all um, in the NFL and in college football. Um, yeah, I just thought he was kind of when I was getting into the NFL. Again, he's kind of one of those things where I've kind of with like Michael Vick as well, where I saw him in the NFL and then went back and watched him, his college sort of tape and things like that. Um, he was the first player to wow me just period like as soon as I got into the NFL and American football like he was the first person that I just sort of looked at and just thought he's a difference maker and like I said just wowed me to be honest with you and yeah I just think he's 
kind of the reason why I'm kind of here, I guess, doing this podcast and you know, all these years down the line. So, yeah, uh, I can't leave out uh, LP. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I uh, didn't watch too much of his um, his college football, and I nearly went for another Chargers running back. I nearly went for Melvin Gordon as my number two oh, okay. because that couple of seasons with Wisconsin was really really fun. Um, um, and also, you know, there were plenty of other Wisconsin running backs. I liked Monty Ball as well at the time. He was good. Yeah. Um, as well in that backfield as well. Yeah, yeah. He was one of my but, favorite uh, NFL players actually as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good backfield. Um, I also like the two San Diego State guys, Danelle Pomfrey and Rashad Penny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I love that offense. But my my favorite, one of my favorite seasons of college football was the uh, was the um, well the Stanford offense through the years has just been an offense that I've absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite seasons was the 2009 season with Toby Gerhardt smashing okay. through the middle. And uh, Mark Ingram won the Heisman that year at running back. And Toby Gerhardt, I remember thinking how robbed Toby Gerhardt was because I was <laughs> such a fan. And he was just a dominant pounder of the ball. And no matter what happened, he was always the kind of guy who just made the game so much more um, grueling. And you saw defenses kind of get pounded down. So Toby Gerhardt, those couple of years at Stanford, was uh, another brilliant running back. Yeah, he won the what's the running back award award called the uh, Joe Walker Award, something like that, isn't it? He won maybe, that in yeah. two thousand nine, I think. Um, yeah, no, good shout. But yeah, no, definitely a bit of a bit of a sort of left field, especially when you compare it then to the NFL career. It's now obviously not very yeah. prominent at all. Of course. Um, my first wide receiver, however, is very very prominent uh, still to this day, and that's Julio Jones. Um, <laughs> when I was getting into sort of the NFL draft and stuff like that. It was around the time when Julio Jones was coming into the league, so he was kind of one of the first sort of superstar wide receivers that I kind of looked at as like a fresh face and kind of then looking at his Alabama film and stuff like that, just as sort of like fledgling getting into the NFL draft. So, you know, and still prevalent to this day, Julio Jones is one of the best wide receivers in the game. Um, so again, kind of one of those things that I kind of, for me personally, it's sort of my story surrounding college football and the NFL draft, someone I couldn't really leave out. So yeah, first one, Julio Jones. Um, you know what? I've got a backup um, receiver here, but to be honest, I think I'm also just going to mention Julio Jones because <laughs> I could have said someone else, but I've told you this story before, but my favorite moment in college football history is watching the Alabama LSU games with Patrick Peterson versus Julio Jones yeah, yeah. three years in a row. And I honestly just was so excited for those games because they were two of the best at it. And um, that's why um, I, I really fell in love with that, that era. And, and it was so fun to watch. So uh, Julio Jones for me as well. Um, one of the most dominant receivers we'll ever see. Yeah, no, certainly. So is he, sorry, I've kind of lost track. Is he your first wide receiver as well? Or have you got someone else? Yeah, let's go for him as well, yeah. Okay. Uh, next one for me is kind of a bit of a left field choice uh, in terms of when people think of his NFL career, but Michael Crabtree, when he was at Texas Tech, <laughs> was truly dominant, wasn't he? He set loads of records for the NCAA and had that partnership with Danny Amendola at Texas Tech. So, um, yeah, I just don't think I could leave him out because we were kind of focusing this on the college football. I kind of wanted to get some kind of left field choice in there because um, he put up a lot of numbers in a, in an air raid offense that, you know, we're still seeing there at Texas Tech today. So, you know, went in the first round, went high, high in the top 10, I think. So yeah, Michael Crabtree is my second wide receiver. 
Um, so someone uh, else who also was a, a multiple-time Belitnikov Award winner, as well as uh, Michael Trabtree, who's a guy who had a terrible NFL career because of things outside of, outside of football. Yeah. Uh, but it's Justin Blackman. Yeah. <laughs> Justin Blackman was... I, I mean, Julio Jones is a bit different because of the level he was playing at and the fact he was playing the amazing teams he was playing. But just eye tests watching a player, Justin Blackman is the best college football wide receiver I've ever seen. Like, oh, wow. Ju- okay. like he's unbelievable. Uh, I, I used to watch his film again and again because he used to snatch the ball away from defensive backs. He was so big and physical. He only had two seasons really playing. Mm-hmm. And in that time, he had over 3,000 receiving yards and 38 touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> it was... It was a two-year span where Oklahoma State, although they weren't the most exciting team in the world, um, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, they were just um, so fun to watch because of him. And yeah, it didn't pan out in the NFL, um, but he he as a as an individual made games interesting. Every single team that played him, you, you saw them actively change their scheme halfway through to factor <laughs> for how ridiculous he was. Um, uh, and just a, an unbelievable talent. And it was such a shame his professional career didn't work out because um, unbelievable player to watch. Loved him. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's a good shout. Someone who I kind of considered as well. We'll move on to flex. This is where we can go off it any way we want. And I'm going to go for another running back. Uh, my flex player is Leonard Fournette. Now, obviously, mm. he's coming to the NFL and kind of been up and down a little bit. But in college, he was this, like, superstar. Like, people were saying that we should let Leonard Fournette play in the, in the NFL without even being playing a college player, you know, or after his freshman season. You yeah. know, this is kind of like, for me, again, kind of my personal journey when I was like, like really, really into the NFL draft by this point and you know, you're watching Landon Fournette and like his crazy workout videos and crazy workout videos are obviously like a big part of like the hype around players nowadays. And you know, you're watching Leonard Fournette like who leg presses like five hundred pounds and things like that and squat like ridiculous amounts of weight and he used to be that really like I don't know, kinda of cool thing where he would like call out someone as he's running towards them and then be a battering ram. So again, like it's just like college football legend and sort of like the things surrounding it. So yeah, Leonard Fournette for me, I just couldn't really leave him out after all that. Yeah, I mean that's very fair. I mean he um he was fun to watch actually, especially with the way he did used to call people out. That was unbelievable. <laughs> and he did it a little bit in his rookie season, didn't he? He did, he did. It's kinda of gone yeah. away now. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. I just really enjoyed like seeing him do that. <laughs> yeah, fun guy. Um so, uh, tight end. Tight end's a fun one, actually. Loads of good uh, potential options here. Um, I uh, I liked, um, well, a ton, ton of good guys. I liked Tyler Eifert when he came out of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, Dwayne Allen at Clemson was brilliant. Um, also, back to that UCLA side with Mojo Drew. I really, Mercedes Lewis was brilliant. But um, the one, the... The one who stands out is kind of an interesting one. <clears throat> he played tight end, um, and then he kind of almost specialised as a as a wide receiver later. But when he was at tight end, he was devastating. Um, and that's Devin Funchess at Michigan. 
So mm-hmm. Devin Funch is obviously famous as being a wide receiver in the NFL, but he was a tight end for a little while there in what was a not particularly overly interesting offense, but he was so explosive. He used to run deep, deep down the field. And, um, you know, he, he had a bunch of insane one-handed grabs and big, big time plays. Although he hasn't had the most exciting NFL career, I loved him when he was playing that more kind of tight end role at Michigan. And um, uh, I thought it was just so fun to watch. And he was the best player on a not a great side and uh, one of the most exciting players in the Big Ten at the time. So, yeah. I like it. Yeah. He's kind of going back to that role now. He's in the NFL now. He's not been having having great success with wide receiver. So he's kind of, yeah, playing that sort of big slot role, which, you know, he's kind of been bought out of a tight end role, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, my guy who I've picked is uh, is kind of like that as well. My guy's Evan Engram. Um, it's, it's really recent. And, yeah, I really should quite struggled a little bit with and I'm not gonna lie. But Evan Engram again, just kind of when I was sort of banging to get into the NFL draft and things like that, it was something I watched quite a lot of. And I, to me, he's kind of one of these new wave uh, tight ends where they're just massive wide receivers. And Evan Engram was that, and you know, pretty good white rat runner. Got a lot of success at Ole Miss, and yeah, I just bumped for him in the end. Yeah. I gave my tight end, but I forgot my flex, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Okay, go back. Oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah, my flex, my flex is um, loads of good players here, but uh, the Black Mamba himself, DeAnthony Thomas. That Oregon offense was um, electric at one time, um, you know, with LaMichael James and mm-hmm. who else you had over the years. You had Mariota and all sorts. Uh, but but DeAnthony Thomas did a bit of everything. Kick returner, punt returner, running back, wide receiver. Um, one of the funnest um, guys with a ball in hand you'll see at the kind of college football level. I know he hasn't been an amazing player in the NFL, but he's done all right for a few years for Kansas City. And um, yeah, Black Mamba, loved him. Nice one. Yeah, I like it. Um, defense is left. I know we were talking about this earlier and you said you've got a really good one for your defense. Um, I struggled on this one. So yeah, you can go ahead first. Give us your defense. <laughs> well, um I don't know. It, it, it's it's just a good one because I love it so much. The the 2015 Boston College team, um, Don Brown's last year, I think there uh-huh. um, was a pretty special performance because Boston College are not the most talented of um, sides in general. Um, you know, they, they obviously have had some good players come out of there and they've done some good things, um, but that year they gave up 15 points a game. And um, it was just, it's one of those things, again, we talk about going back, like I go back and watch the All-22 and and I I had to do quite a lot to go through to get All-22 film of that that season. (laughs) Um, And it's what made Don Brown famous in many ways. Um, but but it was just an unbelievable year. You know, they, they to clarify, they only won three games that year. Um, they were had an awful season. They went three and nine. Um, but they famously had this incredible, um, they had the incredible uh, year. They lost three games where the opponent scored less than ten points. Like unbelievable. Um, <laughs> ability to yeah, lose yeah, games. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. But Don Brown's defense really came to life that year. And even though it wasn't a great side altogether, um, it was a famous defensive uh, outing. Really caused some problems for big teams like Clemson and mm-hmm. and uh, Florida State at the time. 
Um, you know, they were kind of top 10 ranked teams and, and they nearly beat a Notre Dame team, despite, again, having no offensive presence whatsoever. <laughs> um, so uh, absolutely um, brilliant team to watch. And if anyone wants to go and watch a, 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 an amazing defensive uh, performance, go have a look at 2015 Boston College. Definitely, that's a really good recommendation. Not something that I've really come across in my time. But yeah, no, it's a little history lesson. And yeah, definitely a good shout. Um, the defence that I went for, and I've got to, I've got to admit, I, I kind of just researched this and just went for who I sort of, sort of thought was the best defence that I came across. But I went for the 2001 Miami Hurricanes defence. Yeah, um, famous, which, yeah. You know, it's a pretty famous one. Um, you know, you run down sort of their roster and you know, it's got some future stars. You know, Antoine Rolls had a pretty decent career. Sean Taylor, who obviously was a great player uh, for the short time that he played in the NFL. Jonathan Vilma, Vince Wilfork. You know, had them all. I think like your Boston College defense you just mentioned, they held a lot of pay, uh, a lot of teams to less than ten points a game. They won every game that season and had three shutouts as well. So yeah, that's why points for in that. But yeah, no, really good, really good uh, defense, and you know, supplied the NFL with a lot of players over the years. Oh yeah, famous, famous team. Um, absolutely filled with players. I believe that was the team the Rock was in as well. Is that right? Uh, I didn't come across that in the article, but yes, I know he played in Miami, so yeah, yeah, I think he was, I think right he was there, there, there at the time. Um, he was playing nose tackle, uh, so not that he was a factor, but you know, it's always interesting, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you know, he does sort of uh, still have sort of a link to Miami as well, didn't he? Uh, I think he was there for the first yeah. game of this season against Florida, sort of hyping the right. and things like that. But yeah, it was a great question, Alan. Um, that was great a question. A lot of uh, sort of research went into that. It was really nice to sort of look back. Um, so yeah, next question, and this is away from football now. I did, I did sort of open up to everything, and this is actually one that I had in the tweet. But what's uh, everyone's favourite dog of uh, breed of dog? <laughs> you dog favourite breed of dog. <laughs> you know what? My mum and dad have got a little Chihuahua, um, Simba. And okay. <laughs> um, Sim is a yappy little thing and he doesn't shut up. So, my answer is anything other than a chihuahua. Oh, really? <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, mine's a Labrador. Uh, I just grew up with a Labrador uh, when I was a kid. And um, loved them as dogs, and great dogs. Um, what personality? Very greedy. Uh, yeah, no, I really love Labrador. Thanks for that one. Uh, yeah, good, uh, good sort of non football question. Um, next one uh, again from Facebook from Jamie on Facebook. Uh, which combine event would you perform better in? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, well, back when I I've was, got, uh... I've got my. Oh no, go on. Go, go on then. Yeah, go on. Go on. Uh, well, well, I, 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 you carry on. I <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I thought I put the three cone for this, so I'd just be targeting to beat DK Metcalf's time. I think anything. Yeah, so I think it's the only thing I can kind of look to beat him in. I'm quite short, so I've got pretty low centre of gravity, pretty light on my feet. So anything that involves like kind of change of direction and is over pretty quickly. So yeah, go for three cone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I did, uh, you know, when I was trying to, I played for Great Britain uh, mm-hmm. for a couple of games. So when I was back doing that, you know, I was obviously trying my hardest to do all those things. Uh, the thing that I did best at was actually the 40, but that's okay. just because I was bad at everything else. Um, <laughs> so technically, I think uh, the 40 was probably the thing I did best at. <laughs> I, I got I got under five seconds. That was the best okay. thing I did. I got four nine five, I think, something like that. Cool. That's pretty good. Was, mm-hmm. uh, next question, going back to Alan. Uh, again, Al the Wanderer. Um, Going back to college football for this one, so he says, given that Tua wasn't fit for the Georgia and Clemson games last year, probably wasn't fit for the big games this year, 
Uh, do you think he will have a chance to prove himself as the real deal? And you know, if he doesn't get that chance to prove himself, is it a bit of a gamble to take him high? Great question. What do you, th- what do you reckon? When it comes to health, it's always complicated because, mm-hmm. in theory, he hasn't had a bad injury, but he's also shown that you know he's 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 had reoccurring problems and multiple problems. Obviously, the famous example everyone gives is. Um, Matt Stafford, you know, a guy who had a bad reputation for being injured, um, but now, I mean, he's actually injured this weekend, but prior to this weekend, I think he's only had a couple of games off in he the past. He's had a broken back last year, Exactly. So you don't really know how these things translate. I think the, I think the, the thing with, with Tua that's always going to help him is that from the elite eleven onwards, he has famously got an incredibly high character rating yeah cool. um which always carries qbs through um because at the end of the day the thing that they need to do more than anything else is be able to process um information quickly so um yeah i think realistically um as long as it's not a major injury i think his draft stock should be fine yeah i'd agree with that one i feel like there's enough tape on to uh for everyone who's evaluating to kind of see his strengths and weaknesses and like you say health uh, health's always a factor but you know these guys go through rigorous physicals and things like that he's had a high ankle sprain it's a bit of a worry especially because it affects his mobility as we saw on the weekend but i think we've seen qbs who have played against much lower levels of competition throughout their whole college career um you know compared to where two has been playing they've still gone really really high still in the top five um so I don't think it's going to affect him too much. I think he's got enough in the bank. Unless something comes up on his physical, I think he's still like, like I said earlier at the start of the show, I think he's still nailed on to the top five player in this draft class for me. Yeah, I um, agree. Next question is from my girlfriend, Meredith. <laughs> she messaged in to say, what's the best movie uh, based around football? What do you reckon? Mm, movie. Ooh. Are you a big movie guy? Um, yeah, I love movies. I think um, if it was like anything, if it wasn't just limited to movies, I would have said the Friday Night Lights TV show. But mm-hmm. if we're just going to go movie, oh, it's always a tough one for me between Remember the Titans and um, and uh, the Al Pacino one, which I've slipped my name now. Um, uh, so let's go uh, Remember the Titans. Strong side. Um you know, I uh, love that movie. Uh, great fun. I used to watch it a lot with my, my friends when we were, um, <laughs> you know, we had a big game coming up. Yeah, um, sure. It was always a good good hype one beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to go that. I like it. I like it. Uh, mine's The Blind Side. Um, it's a great book, too. So if anyone like, if likes reading about you know football, sport, or just human stories, I think it's a, a great read. Uh, it's obviously a story around Michael Ower and his childhood and how he came to sort of, um, play at Old Miss and things like that. I think it's a great story um, and I, I like, personally for me, I like films and uh, books that are based on true events uh, and obviously this is, this is definitely that. Um, so yeah, no, if anyone's not seen it, I'd definitely recommend it again like, if you like reading. Yeah. Um, brilliant, brilliant author Michael Lewis um, yes. and it's just a, a great, great, great story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next question from Mark Hathaway. Um What's the highest play on your big board from a non-Power 5 school? Uh, I'll start off with this one. Um, mine's Curtis Weaver. We've talked about this quite a lot. Um, I'm pretty high on him. I think I have him in the mid to late 30s. 
Um, I think he's going to be a beast at next level. You know, I currently my edge three behind uh, Chase Young and AJ Mesa. Um, yeah, he's quite. I think he's quite clearly the top non-power five school player for me on my board. How about you? Um, I haven't got my board in front of me. The only question I'm you know knew about was obviously the college football one. Mm. I, I had only I have really any kind of non-college non um power five. power five players in general I, i've seen a lot of teams i think um curtis we was definitely my highest mm-hmm. um but only because i haven't really looked through loads of them i think uh, one name worth mentioning uh, which i've brought up before on here is a uh, mckay beckton sure yeah the tackle out of louisville so no he's still power five but um but I think it's one of them where it's still worth mentioning. Not a big school, not a big name, sure, but yeah. I have him extremely high because um, his 2019 tape so far is just um, so appealing to me. I find him very, very interesting. I think he's got all the, I think he's got everything you want in a um, in a prospect, as well as actually having some production as well, which. You know, it's kind of a bit of a funny balance at times. Mm-hmm. Um, people, especially, you know, I always talk about the, the Greg Robinson problem. Um, <laughs> I think the other name is um, Utah State, obviously quarterback, uh, Jordan Love. Yeah. yeah. You know, he he's an interesting one. Technically, I've got him lower on my big board than I've got Curtis Weaver. Um, but he also might not come out this year, and there's a lot of talk about, what he'll do and whether he'll move to the other side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it might be good for him in some ways uh, because the one thing that I keep seeing again and again from this film is that even when, when they're getting beaten up, they've had a couple of bad losses now to BYU and Air Force. There are so many drops. There are so many plays where he's not really doing anything wrong as much as he's just got no one open slash someone's dropped or he's got no time to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. He is a really talented player. He's got good, good everything. Like he does lots of things yeah, well, yeah, sure. but it will hurt his draft stock if he doesn't play at a high level. And the more and more I watch him, the more I think he's a big risk. Whereas if he was to perform at a higher level, then presumably that would be less of a risk. Um, but I'm sure by the end of the year I'll have more non-Power 5 guys for us to talk about yeah definitely it's still fairly early days obviously mid-November but uh, yeah a couple of people to find posters everyone there um, next question from Rebecca uh, favourite college football player current football college player and why do you want to go first Ooh. have you got one I do yeah I've prepared obviously because I've had the questions all day Sorry. Uh, my no, favorite I like, college football I like player. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it'd be a bit more. Um, yeah, my favorite college football player is Jalen Johnson from Utah. I'm a defensive back person. I like defense. I like defensive backs. Every year, I end up falling in love with one. Usually, one of the feisty variety of the physical variety. Last year, it was Darnell Savage, uh, who's the safety out of Maryland, who now plays for the Packers. Um, this year, it's Johnson. I just think he's a little old physical at times. He'll probably draw fair share of flags in the NFL but I like his competitiveness I think we've seen the ball skills match now and obviously being a Pac-12 person I've watched quite a lot of him uh, so yeah no, someone who's really stood out for me and just I would say yeah above anyone um, considering that I don't really sort of root for a team he sort of is the person who's kind of I really like watching at the moment so yeah I'm going to sort of stand by 
what I said about him the other week as well when I said he was the best player on one of the better defences in college football as well. What about you? Um, I think it's a really good question. A really good question. I think I'm such a big fan of coaching and schemes because, mm. you know, I am a coach and cool. I think it's, it's one of them where I can't help but, but be fascinated by, you know, all these different schemes and players. So, um, I love watching all those kind of flex bone in your navies and your armies and stuff. Um, but there's no one, no necessarily player in any of those teams. I suppose the one thing that I love stand out as players is, is when you get a guy who you just think, how would you defend something like that? Um, yeah. And uh, this year, it's, I think I mentioned him before, but uh, the senior out of Western Michigan, Levante Bellamy, he, he's just, it's just one of those t- sides, uh, Western Michigan. They're not the best side in the world. They don't do, um, you know, they're not always the most interesting team to watch um, <laughs> in terms of their defense isn't great and they're playing at a level which isn't the funnest level. That's but cool. Levante, Levante Bellamy is just a jump off the screen kind of player. Is he going to be uh, a big time NFL player? Maybe not. But every single week he has a really long rushing touchdown. So he's had, I think it's something like four or five games with more than a I think he's had five games with more than a 40 yard rush and three games with more than a 70 yard rush or something okay. mad yeah, like that <laughs> yeah he's just super explosive the offense is um, simple but allows him to thrive and um, he's just one of them where every week I always jump and have a quick look at the Western Michigan highlights mm-hmm. to see <laughs> how long his uh, biggest rush was this week <laughs> yeah that's cool that's, uh, yeah like you say something that kind of jumps off the screen certainly Okay, a couple of questions to go. Um, Alan, again, with another one. Thanks for all your questions, Alan. Um, in this year's draft, is there a QB sleeper outside of the likes of Dua, Burrow, Herbert, from, well, Ethan Hurts? So kind of like someone that no one's talking about, I guess. Mm. Anyone that kind of jumps off the page? Well, I mean, Shane Bocelli, SMU, is mm-hmm. you know the name that I think is probably going to be easiest to say. Um just because he obviously has actually played at a bigger school. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of, you know, been there and done that a little bit. Um, I think someone else that no one's really mentioning, but I find quite interesting, the growth and the success of uh, Gardner Minshew will probably help Anthony Gordon, the Washington mm. State quarterback. He's, you know, just numbers-wise, the way Washington State works, they pass it. Yeah, so he's got like seven or 800 yards more than any other quarterback in college football right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that's just how it is. He's, he's thrown like 40 touchdowns nearly already. Like, um, Through nine the touchdowns nature... in that one game, didn't he? Didn't well, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it's one of them where uh, Washington State are probably less talented than they even have been in recent years. And um, I don't think he's a great player, but I think he'll probably get some hype because of Gardner Minshew. Um, and one more name to mention, just because I know you weren't asking for it, but um, <laughs> but uh, he's a guy who, at the very least, is quite interesting. Is uh, Brady White out of Memphis? He's a junior at the minute, so he might not come out this year. But that Memphis offense is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one, but they've always they've been brilliant at running the ball for about four or five years since Mike Norvell got there. Sure. But this is the first year where they've been a real passing threat. And the big difference is just that they've got a quarterback who can really throw the ball. So those are probably the only two names I've got, um, or a couple of names I've got. Uh, anything for you? 
No, yeah, really good, really good names. Um, I, I found this question quite difficult, actually, because I, I haven't watched a lot of quarterbacks sort of outside the big names, to be honest with you. So I kind of go back to my sort of pre-season sort of summer scouting. Uh, a couple of players that I kind of wanted to have really good seasons, but I've not been able to watch too much of. Um, first of all, Khalil Tate out of Arizona. I really wanted to get back, or Arizona to get back, and he to get back to the 2017 version of Arizona, where him, I think JJ Taylor at the time, were kind of running all over everyone. Arizona had the best rushing pass in college football. Uh, Tate had like 1,400 and something yards. He rushed for like over 10 touchdowns. But then he had a high ankle sprain last year. He had like two or 300 yards. So really dropped down. And I really wanted him to get back. He's not. So it's a bit of a shame. I think he was mm. kind of going to be this kind of like Lamar Jackson light kind of thing. That is a that is a great shout. The thing with Khalil Tate is, it, although he hasn't had the multiple 200-yard rushing games that he had before, he's actually really developed as a passer. I mean, that, mm. that Arizona team now, as much as he's not been healthy and stuff, the passing game has developed quite a lot. Norm Mazzone's a very good coach. Mm. Um, I spoke to him this summer because he was at the BAFCA um, convention in Britain. And um, such a fascinating guy. Um, but, but he really has helped Khalil develop. So as much as, yeah, they've kind of had a bit up and down, I actually think his draft stock is probably going to be higher um, because of how well he's thrown the ball when he has been on the field. Um, but it's hard to tell whether people will go all in on him. You know, obviously Lamar Jackson was more successful. Yeah, of course. Um, but, but in some ways, he's as good an athlete, which is a very rare thing to be able to say. Khalil Tate is one of those super special athletes. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that's a really interesting shout, especially because he hasn't had a good year since he hasn't played much. Yeah, I mean, obviously I like the fact that I've not actually watched too much of Arizona because they've not been that great. And I was kind of, like I said, at the start of the season, I wanted Khalil Tate to put up these numbers. And because he's not, I've kind of like shied away and like put my attention elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, maybe I've got to watch that for his sort of passing improvements. Because I know he's had some good games, but I know they've kind of had this back and forth on the coaching staff where they've been saying things like, we lost that game because I tried to make Khalil Tate Peyton Manning and things like that in the past. So... I wasn't really yeah. sure. But yeah, no, good shout. I mean, yeah, we'll see what happens sort of in the next few months because I think it'll be coming out no matter what because uh, he's a senior at the moment. Uh, my other one from Summer Scout was Mason Fine. I know that North Texas hasn't had a great season, um, but when I was watching Summer Scouting, um, I was reading about how much of a great leader he is. I thought it was really accurate all three levels. Um, I just think he's let down by his season talent quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just looking at the numbers. Fine numbers seem pretty decent. So I haven't watched it in the summer, but Maybe, you know, when the season's finished, I'll be diving to him and sort of maybe see if he's made some improvements. So, yeah, he could be another name to watch for me. I think it's a good shout. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen the highlight packages, but he's clearly super talented. Um, uh, I mean, it's just, you can see it straight away, how what an ability he has. Mm. Um, So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to get into him more, um, even though, obviously, the numbers haven't been there. Yeah, sure. This is where obviously after the season we kind of dive in and, and you kind of unearth these diamonds when you're watching the tape, I guess. Yeah. Uh, final question, and it's kind of a cheap question because it's kind of just one that we were talking about amongst ourselves. Um, this is something that Thomas mentioned, obviously our own Thomas Robey, and he was saying in our group chat, he was saying, with Lamar Jackson's success, does the Eric King become a more draftable quarterback whenever he declares? Obviously, kind of uh, it's up in the air because obviously he's looking to redshirt and potentially transfer out of Houston. It's probably not this year, but what do you reckon? 
I think if Derek King gets the right opportunity on this transfer, which could be Houston, to clarify, like, you know, um, Dana Holgerson is still an amazing coach. Houston's offense is still looking good. If they had a fully fit Derek King, I'm sure they could do wonders there. And he had Will Greer drafted last, uh, drafted last year. So it's not like he doesn't know how to get guys drafted at the quarterback position. Sure. Um, I think Derek King is a, lot, a bit like I was saying about Khalil Tate, one of those very special superstar yes. Lamar Jackson type athletes. Um, he's also more powerful um, than Tate or Jackson. Like mm-hmm. he's a he's the thicker guy. Yeah. Um, so yes, if he found the right place, I would love to see him go to Oklahoma, but um, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, you know, he's 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 a good player. I hope he gets one more opportunity at college football. Um, and if a team is willing to make that step and commit to it, like the Ravens have, yes. then he would be a good candidate for it. Yeah, that's definitely that's the way I see it. I think it completely depends on the situation that he goes into in the NFL because Lamar Jackson's kind of got the perfect storm. He's got John Harbaugh and an offensive coordinator who's willing to build the offense around him. You know, they're willing to sort of take Lamar's flaws, such as not being the greatest passer of all time, but still accentuate his strength. You know, this electric athlete who can, you know, run past anyone and any team, no matter what's in front of him, kind of thing, and scheme things up to make it, you know, the best success, best uh, situation for success for Lamar Jackson. If he goes in and Derek King has to become like a buggy passer or something like that that doesn't accentuate his strength, then no, he won't have success and he won't be a draftable quarterback and he'll play out the quite quickly. But, you know, it depends on the situation. It's like anything. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting question. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, something to call for next year when, you know, if Derek King moves or if he just, you know, like you said, if he does stay at Houston um, and see what sort of develops there because obviously he, he can't sort of transfer again or sort of redshirt again. He's got to come out <laughs> and, uh, and play. Hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, no, that awesome. that really wrap, that wraps up the questions. That was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for everyone. Um, thank you to everyone, sorry, who got in touch with those questions. Um, we'll probably yeah. beat that at some point in the new year after the season. It's uh, a good again, idea. Yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that one. Um, and yeah, so yeah, no, thank you again. So I guess it's a good time to kind of mention how you can get in touch with us uh, all the time on Twitter. Obviously, if you want to follow the Full Ten Yard CFB, it's at Full Ten Yard CFB. Um, and then my handle is at Wakefield90. So if you want to yeah, get involved in the conversation or whatnot, um, yeah, feel free, give us a follow and uh, yeah, join in. Maxwell, do the honours, sir. Uh, you know, you've got a much better way of giving out your handle than I do. <laughs> yeah, it's at a winning smile with underscores in between. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and yeah, while we're on the subject, just want to thank everyone for their support. Uh, smash the subscribe and follow buttons. Obviously, if you enjoy the show, don't forget to you know retweet and share all our articles, uh, podcasts. Not much I love. Obviously, we we love college football. Um, we want to make it uh, sort of grow in the UK and help it to grow in the UK. Um, so yeah, with your help, we'll do that. Uh, last bit of housekeeping just for the final segment of the show. You can do some shopping for some NFL merch. Uh, we'd like to direct you towards NFL Shop Europe. You know, Christmas is coming. Maybe you've got like a loved one or someone to be buying for. And if you do that, if you go to NFL Shop Europe, use the code FULL10 and check out 10% off your order. So yeah, just want to get that out there. There's some really good deals on there at the minute. I'm, I'm just looking at getting a, a hoodie or two. So um, yeah, definitely check out that. And it's, it's as much as sites like Fanatics are good and, and they are good for the future, um, uh, you know, 
NFL Shop Europe just gets at you so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. Yeah, no, definitely. And you know, it's like nice that we've got that little partnership with them. So yeah, take, take advantage while we've got that code there, everyone. Um, yeah, let's move on to the third and final part of the show where we look ahead to next weekend and our game of the week. So yeah, game of the week, Maxwell, what do you say? What's your game of the week? Oh, I'll tell you what, there's some really good ones this there weekend. Um, fantastic week. We've got the Michigan Derby. Uh, yes. Navy Notre Dame, Georgia Auburn's probably the biggest mm. uh, like implications game, um, and obviously Oklahoma Baylor we talked about as well. Of course, uh, it's yeah. hard to choose. I think I am going to go for. Um, I'm probably going to go for just purely the way I look at football. Na- Navy Notre Dame is the one that I'm excited about because I can smell an upset. <laughs> Navy are going to win this game. Navy are going to win this game. Malcolm Perry is a superstar um, of Navy football. Uh, one of the best quarterbacks I've seen do it. He's so dominant in terms of his ability to just always find extra yards. Ian Book and Notre Dame have been sloppy recently. And yeah, the defense have. isn't as good as people think. And so they're, they're quite a big favorite to win this game. But this is going to be a big upset for me. And, um, and uh, I'm excited to see Navy, uh, Navy uh, put one over them. Awesome, yeah, there we have it. There's a big shout. Um, yeah, no, definitely one of the games of the week. Uh, you kind of run through all the ones that I was going to mention. The other one I would mention, although it's kind of been tainted now because Wake Forest lost to Virginia Tech. Yeah. Wake Forest playing Clemson this weekend in the ACC. Kind of hoping for a bit of an upset in this one, especially after watching Jamie Newman a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he was really boring out, but don't really hold that too much hope. Um, you know, we kind of talked about it a couple of weeks ago as a bit of a long shot, maybe forcing Clemson out of the playoffs. Um, if you know Wake Forest can come up with a bit of a, a bit of an upset in this one, but um, yeah, maybe maybe something to keep your eye out for. Maybe not a game of the week, but something to yeah keep an eye out for. Um, but yeah, I like what you suggested. I think you hit the nail on the head with all those. Um, you know, especially Baylor versus Louisville, as we've mentioned a few times throughout the show. Um, I think okay. as well, uh, something to kind of uh, sort of direct people towards is actually this week's action actually starts today. If anyone's sort of off, off work or who doesn't have anything to do tomorrow? Does it? The games. Yeah, we've got um, Eastern Michigan and Akron tonight. Western Mich- Western Michigan, I think, and Ohio playing tonight as well. A couple of games. Ah, oh, Levante games Bellamy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. A couple of games on Friday before the the matches start. Obviously, the main slate on Saturday. So obviously, if, if like say if, you, if you're off work tomorrow or you know any point this week, fire up the SBN player and uh, yeah, take some football in. Mm. Just uh, just one more little little uh, upset scare as well. Yeah, go for it. Num- number eight Utah are playing UCLA. They're twenty one point okay. favorites, and <laughs> I keep, can't help myself jumping on this Kip, Chip Kelly train. But they're, <laughs> they've got three back to back wins. Their offense is finally doing some different things again. And I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like Utah could uh, lose lose one here. Yeah, no, they've, they've pulled out a couple of results recently. And we obviously we've got Thomas on staff, who's an UCLA fan, and obviously uh, sort of seen the roller coaster firsthand from a fan's point of view, what he's, what he's been through. But yeah, I, I like it as a shout. Obviously, Utah, big, big favourite in that. And, and yeah, no, it's definitely out there. And obviously, Pac 12, isn't it? You know, you see it eat itself alive week in, week out. So yeah, definitely could be another one. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's sort of our game of the week, or things to look out for at the very least. Just before we go, we've not signed points to this for a while, Maxwell, but have you got anything in the pipeline in terms of like writing articles? Obviously, we saw your most recent one with the SNU uh, offence, but have you got anything else coming up? 
Yeah, I'm hoping to talk about the um, the running backs of the Big 12. Um, just because I, I could have done an article on each of them individually. There's so <laughs> many uh, There's so many good um, players. Um, players in, in the running back position in that. Obviously, Chubba Hubbard is... Is a famous one, but you know, there's some good guys at Kansas State, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma. Loads of good running backs there. So um, hopefully, um, I'll be able to put an article together on that. Um, well, I'm looking forward to doing that anyway. Awesome. Yeah, no, sounds really good. Um, yeah, because I think we were gonna we were gonna do the time that we did the Tyler Wallace and I did the Isaiah Hodgins. Well, I think you had something in pipeline with Chuba Hubbard, didn't you? So um, yeah, no, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing that. Um, uh, and you've got an interesting one coming up as well? I do. I'm going to put something together. I've been watching quite a lot of film recently on Jacob Eason, the Washington quarterback. Um, mm. I'm going to do a bit of a player profile on him. Um, yeah, kind of. I'm, I've kind of delayed this. I was going to do it this weekend, but I, I just feel like I need to watch even more film on him because he's such a roller coaster of a prospect. Um, yeah, so yeah, keep your eyes up, appealed for that one. Um, that'll be coming to you well, potentially this weekend, but maybe next week or next week when I. Maybe get another game under my belt. Oh no, Washington on fly. Never mind. Kind of just thinking out loud. This is terrible podcasting. Uh, but yeah, no, I'll be well, that looking Eason. forward to reading it. Yeah, because <laughs> he's such a he's such an interesting prospect. So um, when you do get around to it, I'm I'm quite excited to read to read yeah. that. It'll be yeah, usual player profile thing. With a little bit of film, the same sort of thing that I've done for quite a few players. Um, and I know just you know, he's not here today, but I know Tom is looking there to buy an article quite soon in the SEC. He's going to look back on the LSU game that they had this weekend when they beat Alabama and kind of look at the ramifications of Alabama's loss and what it means sort of moving forward for the end of the season for the SEC. So, yeah, I feel for that one as well. A lot of good content coming out. Um, but, yeah, let's wrap up the podcast. Uh, really good podcast. Again, thanks to everyone for the questions. Um, yeah, it's really good to kind of do like a bit of a different format. Really enjoyed it. I don't know about you, Max, but I guess you really enjoyed this one as well. Yeah, great fun, great fun. Uh, it was kind of nice not knowing what the questions were beforehand, um, <laughs> but also, yeah, but also great fun thinking back to all those brilliant, um, uh, you know, favourite college football players. Mm. So, um, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for that, guys, and um, looking forward to uh, doing this again. Awesome. So yeah, we'll sign off. Uh, so yeah, goodbye from Maxwell. Bye. And goodbye from me. Uh, so yeah, we'll see you on the side, people. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.